Everybody, welcome to Down and Out, the sports and entertainment podcast taking the world by storm. Dom Tibbetts alongside Evan Ryer, two sports quote unquote professionals giving our best shot at the world of podcasting. But we like to have fun, keep things loose, and a ton to get to today. First off, as always, shout out JD Masters and Buddha Man in the Mirror, our intro, outro music. Go show them some love. YouTube, SoundCloud, JD's popping on Instagram right now, making a ton of six sick beats, sick music. Uh, Buddha obviously doing his thing with the rhymes. He's been pushing a lot of new music with JD and Solo as well. The boys are buzzing in Butte, Evan. We love to see it. Our summer vacation is officially over. I guess that's what we're going to call it. For those who listened to our last episode, which was literally almost a month ago to this date, Ev. Uh, uh, I have now since moved into Buffalo. I'm settled in pretty much here to my new apartment, getting used to the Buffalo sports scene, having a blast. Evan has been traveling all across the southeast and really just, you know, the eastern half of the United States, it feels like, going to concerts, Bonnaroo, all this stuff. So we really appreciate everybody's patience and, you know, kind of letting us take a t- take a little R&R for ourselves before this football season comes up. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a very eventful, you know, summer. And uh, obviously, you know, we, we, we I think... We deserved a break. I mean, we had gone over a year pretty much without really breaking for more than a week or anything, you know, missing an episode basically at a time. So, um, yeah, it was nice to kind of recharge to a degree. I mean, you know, I've been busy or, you know, whatever you want to say, but, you know, Dom really, you know, getting, you know, getting settled up there, making the big move and everything else, you know, that's, uh, that is quite the ordeal. So I'm happy that, you know, we could ensure that you could do that comfortably. Um, you know, uh, how, how are you liking it so far? Are things going well? They are. I mean, the the apartment is, is, like I said, settling very nicely. When I first moved in here, you know, you kind of get like that, oh, no, what did I get myself into? Because you have, like, no furniture. I didn't really bring – I packed a car, so I didn't really bring much with me. But now that some family members have, you know, brought me some, some old furniture they're not using, settled in. I've got a beautiful balcony overlooking my window right now, and it's in a, a quaint little neighborhood of the Elmwood Village area here in Buffalo, getting situated real nice. And uh, I actually joked with with Evan on this before we started recording. You, you know us. We're not the biggest hockey people. We're not the biggest hockey talkers. This isn't really the hockey podcast. But whether I like it or not, I have got to be more in tune with the NHL world now since I now cover the Buffalo Sabres. So you may just start hearing a little bit more hockey. So for those of you out there who were waiting to hear about pucks on net and deking and ice you're going to get it maybe coming up this uh, this fall and winter here on Doubt and Out. But overall, it's going it's going pretty well. And uh, I, I figure the best way to start this is, you know, there's obviously a ton of things uh, that we, you know, in the last month that's happened in the world of sports. Uh, but the one thing that we both kind of agreed on that I think we need to come back and address to because it's still so relevant and it's going to be, uh, and honestly, we could do a whole episode on this if we're being real, but the college 
sports world, and more specifically because it's all spawning with football season coming up here. So I guess that's we'll call it college football, but really all of NCAA Division One here is kind of in a frenzy. The conference realignments are real, and you know Oklahoma and Texas kind of gave us that little. You know, when they're going to come to the SEC in 2024, 2025, we got the little glimpse of it. But since that, I mean, USC and uh, UC, UCLA, USC are going to the Big Ten. Um, and that's obviously huge for the Big Ten, getting two recognizable brands in there. And then, uh, sadly, you know, the Pac-12 is now losing. But the Pac-12 is starting to, you know, come up and try to explore with teams. And I've even heard the the ACC and the Pac-12 trying to create a partnership to maybe, I don't know, pool their talent together and, I don't know, keep – keep the SEC from just running a train on them. But, you know, I, I think you said it the best when we first started talking about all this, Ev, is like change in this was going to be inevitable. And if you are a school with a major brand, it's time to hop on board the train that's going to set you up for years and years of future success because this is the future. It has already knocked on the door and it has walked in, taking its shoes off, and it's chilling on your couch at this point. Yeah, for real. I mean, it's one of those situations where – you know, we can definitely talk and and that you know analyze how ethical some of it is. Is this the right move for college football? Is this what's best for you know whatever? Does it even make sense? You know, does USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten even really make sense logistically, uh, or I mean, you know, geographically? <laughs> yeah, not really. Well, I was about to say, but, as, as somebody who goes to uh, who works in the finance department at Rutgers, if they're happy about that move, right? Right. So. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those situations where you know you can argue all that, but at the, it's it's kind of almost like it's like Fortnite or Fall Guys or something, where really, you know, there's there's a closing circle, there's you know a limited amount of time uh, to kind of take advantage of the moving landscape and to come out on the other side either secure or better than where you were at. And you know, some teams, I mean, obviously some of the teams that we're kind of looking at in the Pac-12 right now are probably going to be uh you know in a little bit of uh you know a struggle as they try to figure out where they can go and what they can do Mm -hmm. um that's kind of you know in terms of recent reports in terms of what we're seeing that's kind of what's uh it's kind of all over the place right like there's no real you know hardcore report you know like hardcore like this is what's going to happen with you know the rest of the pac-12 teams but you're seeing stuff like okay so does the pac-12 try and you know, basically poach teams from the Big 12. Do the Pac-12 and the Big 12 kind of do a merger of sorts? Uh, does, you know, the Pac-12, do, does, you know, some of the bigger names in the Pac-12 that are left, such as in Oregon, you know, if there was a single school in all of college football that I think could pull off being independent right now, mm-hmm. it's it's literally Oregon. Why And why not, right? Absolutely. I mean, Notre Dame has had success with it being independent. Oregon, absolutely, with the Nike brand itself. I, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the points. I, and I think I wasn't even thinking independently. I almost think that could be the better case for them. But Because to me, I always thought Oregon could be a very high-profile candidate to get themselves into the SEC. And that, that may come into fruition. But I do agree with your point there. I think there is some validity to their case becoming independent just because of the name, the brand, the 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 Nike symbol that's associated with the University of Oregon. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's it's so hard to really it's so much fun to go down the list of like all the different possibilities, but it's also very hard to, you know, kind of figure out 
what uh, you know what's going to happen next because you know we talk about the biggest conferences, but there's a lot of these you know prime candidates in some of the smaller conferences, such as you know Conference USA or the American that you know should be this is their opportunity to kind of move up into a quote unquote bigger conference. You know, for example, you've got uh, you know uh, BYU, uh, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF. Uh, you know, it's it's that seems like those seems like I believe all four teams are going to join the Big Twelve. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, that's a that's a you know pretty ideal group to bring in. I mean, Cincinnati obviously just made the playoff. UCF has you know done done what they've done. BYU is a preeminent you know call you know college sports program. Yep. Same thing with Houston, really. I mean, it's a it's a great idea. Now, can the Big Twelve kind of say, all right? Can we go get anybody from the Pac-12? Obviously, uh, you know, Oregon would be the one that, you know, probably sounds the best, but I don't see a scenario where Oregon goes to something like the Big 12 if, you know, there's no Texas, there's no, you know, Oklahoma. Yeah. Do you know who who I like in that situation coming to the Big 12? Who? Utah. Yeah, Utah feels like a lock for the Big 12. Utah Mm -hmm. has felt like – Utah is kind of like when they joined the Pac-12, Ten, it was kind of, or you know, I guess it was the Pac-10, then became the Pac-12. Yeah, you know, it was. Uh, Throw, it was throwback Tuesdays. I know, but it was, uh, it, you know, it's one of those scenarios where it was like, yeah, Utah definitely fits in either of those conferences, and I think Arizona, Arizona State are probably locks for you know the the Big Twelve merger too. If it, you know, whatever they end up creating, whether it's a merger, whether it's just kind of pit, bit, bits and pieces, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's. It's it's very exciting to see what happens there, but but at the same time, I mean, dude, the SEC may not be done. The ACC could get raided. You know, it feels like at any point. It it feels like that. You know, if someone in the ACC decides to go, if one team decides to go, if a North Carolina, if a Clemson decides to bail, that entire conference could dissolve. Yep. You know, or, or you know, at least go through drastic, drastic changes. Um, uh, and uh, and I and I I've seen both sides of the argument of you know I, or I've seen both sides I guess it's not argument more reporting of okay the SEC is locked in on the teams they have right now that's a report I've seen but I've also seen the report of hey the the SEC is very much pursuing like you said Ab, the big the big boys UCLA. Clemson. I even saw the Seminoles in there. Florida State. Florida State definitely in in that brand as well. Uh, I, I think if Duke had any relevancy in football, I'm sure Duke would love to. You know, because of their basketball brand. But that that just doesn't that doesn't seem like a fit to me in that in that regard. But nonetheless, though, it's got to feel good as you an Alabama guy. And me, as an LSU football, baseball guy, I will say, and I'm sure we kind of share the same sentiment here, man, it feels good to be a mother-effing gangster because it's great to know our teams are in the SEC, locked in there. We ain't going anywhere. Like, I, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shadow of relief for me because, and interesting enough, Ev, I go back to my basketball team of college, which is Syracuse. Syracuse is on the outside looking in, and there's a lot of concern and a lot of question marks surrounding Syracuse University's, you know, ability to stay relevant and pretty much, I mean, there's no chance they go to the SEC. I don't think the Big 12 wants them in anything. Syracuse is stuck in the ACC, and the ACC, like you said, with one team leaving is a dissolving conference that goes to the shitter. And that's it, and Syracuse is left in the dark. The ACC basically probably the strategy from there is to basically say, okay, football is no longer 
something we really, really care about. You know, if you lose Clemson, if you lose in North Carolina, you know, you lose an FSU or something like that, you know, the pivot point, if, if, if all those major programs start leaving and joining the PAC, you know, the PAC-12, or not the PAC-12, but the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, then you, know, you commit to basketball, right? So you say, okay, what are the AAC teams we can go get? What are the, you know, the, you know, the, the CUSA teams that are available? Um, I mean, I think what's, what's interesting though, is that we're also, it, it, the closing circle is also, you know, it's kind of an arms race of sorts. You know, the SEC is fine. They added Texas and Oklahoma. They have 16 teams for the foreseeable future. And they've got pretty much, you know, across the board, baseball, basketball, football, they've got in terms of males and in, I mean, women's sports too. I mean, softball, major players, you mm-hmm. know, they've got a ton of sports that they are dominant in, but they may also look at it as, okay, well, if we don't go add more teams now, we are basically letting the other conferences catch up to yep. us. Yep. So that's where it's like, okay, well, do we just go to 18 teams and say, you know, Clemson, Florida State, or, you know, maybe even 19 teams because it'd be so hard to add Florida State without adding Miami. Miami, it, bingo. Yeah, exactly. yeah it, that, that almost to me feels like a package deal. And and no, and I'm, I don't really have, uh, you know, obviously I have a lot of love for Florida State just from covering them, but with no, no biasy at all, like Florida State is, I do not believe it's the first priority of the SEC. That I think, I think it's Clemson or North Carolina. Oh, and Florida honestly, would have to pin it on Florida Clemson. Florida State's also like not like a rich school right now. Like mm-hmm. they've, Oh, yeah, that like big like, big money issues, big budget issues. But Michael Alfred's going to fix that, though. We think big, big big budget issues, and you know, whereas Miami, you know, also obviously has had its own issues with that kind of stuff. It feels like they're in a much better place. Clemson's really the yeah, that's Clemson. You know, Clemson and Oregon are really the two. I'd probably say schools that you know, in terms of football are, you know, obviously the, the, the number ones. I mean, Notre Dame's in there, but I just think Notre Dame's still going to just chill. Like, yeah, I don't think uh, why not? It, it, if, it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? Like, Notre Dame's been kind of playing this cat and mouse game with conferences since – for since at least my our lifetime, it feels like you know. So you know, it's I I don't think they're in any rush either. The question I'll pose to you, which I have talked about with people, is you know if if there is a conference that tries to catch up to the SEC, do you think? I think there's only two options. I think it's the Big Ten or the Big Twelve. I don't think the Pac-12 has will, will be there, not without USC, UCLA. Though that was a major hit to them. But do you think the Big Ten or the or, or the Big Twelve have a better chance of catching up to the SEC? It, in terms of what we are now calling, quote, an arms race in college athletics? Well, it's it's a uh, – I think I think there's really going to – what we're on pace for, I may be wrong about this, but what we're on pace for is three super conference type setups. So there will be a one, two, three SEC at the number one. I'm going to say Big Ten number two. Number three is whatever the Pac-12 and Big 12 teams ended up creating mm-hmm. together. Um you know that's kind of especially. I mean, if the if the Big Twelve can add like a you know it's it from you know people are saying that they're trying to add like Memphis. That's a great addition. That makes perfect sense. Yep. Like that's in you know if the Big Twelve can pull off like a Notre Dame, if if they can kind of poach a Notre Dame from you know uh, the Big Ten. You know if if, yep. if if you know that's that's seems like it's like I said it doesn't seem like Notre Dame's going anywhere right now. It seems like they they're 
they're they're not being linked as like to, as a lead for any of the conferences. I mean, they could even still re-sign with the ACC and just go with that. And then then you've got a much different conversation where if the ACC is able to add Notre Dame before they lose anyone, um, you know, you can make a much different conversation that okay, we're going to stick with four major conferences. Yeah, but, and then and then all of a sudden we're starting to talk about oh shit, the, we doubted the ACC, but now the ACC is starting to stack because I also thought you it's funny you bring up Memphis in my head when we were first talking about it I thought Memphis would be a very interesting and probably a good add to the ACC at that point uh when I was thinking of like Conference USA teams and stuff Memphis was immediately the one that kind of jumped out ahead uh you know kind of front of the palette here and yeah if if that's the case then you know they're strong enough brands and there are strong enough sports that the ACC dominates in that they could very well be like, okay, we're not going to be the SEC. We're not going to be the football conference, but we're going to be able to hold our own and, and, and you know, bring in 14, 15 teams that compete very, very well and pick, pick any sport besides football, you know? Right. And uh, before we move on, I do want to say uh, other schools to worth, you know, very much worth looking out for. I mean, Boise State has to go to the Big 12 or Pac-12. Um, it feels they feel like they they're a must. Um, I, what, if, I, <laughs> what if they don't? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's who knows? There's a very real chance because because it feels West, like Boise State because it could have just happened forever. But yeah, the Mountain West. I mean, they're already you know. I mean, they were getting picked apart the past few years. You know, I I, I just you know they they it feels like everyone in there is leaving. Uh, Fresno State's also in the mix there. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this, you know what conference has not changed at all and probably won't change at all, and, you know, ergo, if we want to measure by least amount of change, least amount of teams leaving, uh, makes them the strongest conference? Ooh, the Big East? The MAC, baby. Oh, the MAC. The MAC, The MAC. Yeah. No one is leaving because no one is wanted. <laughs> no, one, <laughs> no. The Big Ten and the SEC and the rest are Good like, for them. Fuck, I don't want these teams. Uh, no one wants these teams. Uh but, hey, the MAC is going to be rock solid at the end of all of this. Uh, college, college football's best conference still going to be showing out on Tuesday nights. Hey, tell me, tell me how much you wouldn't love to see Montana or Montana State in the Mountain West. I would love it. I would love it. I would. I mean, it's a great. It's a fairy tale. It's a fairy tale scenario, well, but it would be kind of cool. I, I, I would love it in the way that I would love to see them, you know, continue to be more prominent. I love seeing Montana sports be prominent. I don't think it's the smart decision for either program. I'm, I'm not a big fan of jumping from the FCS to the FBS. Like, generally, I don't think it's for most programs. I think, you know, sh- there should always, you know, not that there should be a limit, but I would typically say there's probably one program that's ready every few years. You know what, I, I you know, case, case in point, like UTSA. UTSA has had a lot of success over the past, like, two or three years, but it took UTSA, like, a decade to be able to like even consider being you know really a successful program yeah so, of course um, and, and and the fcs is a major jump and like montana montana state are so far away from being able to have the money that it requires to run an fbs program and compete at that level ndsu is probably the only you know, north dakota state is the only team that kind of jumps out to me there but it, it, i was thinking about that too i was like in a fairy tale scenario it would be kind of fun to one day watch U of M and MSU, you know, compete in FBS. And, yeah, in, in our lifetime, that very, very well could happen. But, yeah, yeah. I, definitely yeah. not something in the immediate well, future. I mean, you know, we've seen big program after big program jump out of the FCS from App State to UTSA. And then now uh, you're seeing James Madison make the jump to the Sun Belt. 
So, I mean, it's uh, it's it feels somewhat inevitable, but I want them to do it at a pace where, you know, I mean, if I'm the Montana schools, I'm like, well, I, you know, if I'm if I'm the Bobcats, I'm like, yeah, let's make the jump because we weren't winning nat- natties anyways. I mean, they got to the natties this year, but they haven't been winning. They haven't won one in forever, mm-hmm. and you know, it's like whatever. If I'm kind of the Grizz, where I kind of have this like reputation or this history of winning natties uh, at the CS level, and then I've been doing what I've been doing for the past decade, which is not doing that. I just don't know if it's the time yet. You know, I feel like maybe there's unfinished business at the FCS level. But, hey, we can uh, cross that bridge when we get there. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's keep talking a little football, Lev. Let's go uh, talk a little professional football because training camp, obviously, starting up here in a uh, – actually, it's, you know, we're 12 days now away from here in Buffalo. Super excited yeah, for it's that. Like, it's 10 to 14, depending on the team. Yeah, and I know, obviously, for the Jags coming up, big, big year. I mean, obviously, big year for the Bills, big year for the Jaguars. And believe me, folks, we're going to get into more of that as we get closer. But – very interesting list ESPN has been doing here. Uh, they have rated the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. At We're talking active quarterbacks, guys who are playing at this moment. And I'm up and down this list right now. I hadn't seen this until earlier this morning. Uh, if you go over to heavy.com and then you go to the Dallas Cowboys page, you can go see this list, talk about Dak Prescott, because that's who Evan obviously has to write about because it's a Cowboys guy. But you can go give Evan right. some clicks here. Nonetheless, though, let's start right there. So obviously it's a 1 through 10. And the 10th quarterback on this list Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. And, folks, this, this list, while it might, you know, have a cowboy on there. This is not written by Evan. This is written by ESPN, NFL writers. Dak Prescott is the number 10 overall quarterback in the league right now on this list that has some really good names on there. Yeah, so uh, it's worth noting that ESPN says that, I mean, this is what ESPN says, that the lineup or that the, the, the list is uh, accumulated from players, coaches, staff, execs, you know, providing their rankings, you know. So it's not necessarily Jeremy Fowler's just putting out a list on his own. It's supposed to be coming from, you know, kind of a group, uh, you know, cover, you know, a group of, you know, people who are in the NFL. And, yeah, Dak Prescott at the number 10 spot. Um, you know, the the reaction to Dak being on the list is kind of both ways. Of course, there's some fans, you know, a lot of Cowboys fans aren't necessarily big Dak fans, but there's some Cowboys fans that believe he's much better than that. Um, the numbers are kind of hard to say that he is better than that, even though he was fifth in the NFL in passing yards last season, um, or no, in uh, passing touchdowns last season. He was like 11th in passing yards. Um, his TD to interception ratio is is, uh, is 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 also you know kind of basically you know at the ten spot. So it's uh it, you know really what is kind of the drama with Dak being number ten is like the guys who didn't make this list, which most notably the most angry fans uh, you know were fans of the Ravens yeah, and fans of the say. Cardinals yep. because. Uh, Lamar Jackson does not make the list. Kyler Murray does not make the list. Kyler Murray does not belong on that list. I don't believe Kyler Murray belongs on the list either. But I could see an argument for Lamar. I think if Lamar's on the list, really the guy who shouldn't be on the list that Lamar should be on the list instead of for is Deshaun Watson. 
Um, Deshaun mm-hmm. is placed on the list at the number nine spot above uh, uh, above Dak. And don't get me wrong, I think probably Deshaun Watson, when he's at his best playing football, he is absolutely a better quarterback than uh, than you know Dak Prescott than probably some of the other names that are above Deshaun on this list. That being said, Deshaun hasn't played in a year. I don't really think it makes sense to have him on this list, especially when we are fairly certain he's going to miss you know a decent chunk of this season as well if not the whole season right so finishing out the rest of the list eight russell wilson now with the denver broncos chargers justin herbert at seven matt stafford at six joe burrow five tom brady four josh allen three patrick mahomes two aaron Rodgers, the number one overall spot so my thoughts on this list i i i'm gonna i'm not a cowboy guy gonna be honest we all know this but i will say i think Dak is on this list you take deshaun off you bump lamar to 10 you bump Dak to nine i'm okay with russ at eight herbert's fine at seven i can i can live with stafford at six mm, actually no you know what let's swap joe and stafford stafford won the super bowl i know and i love joe burrow swap swap stafford at burrow so put stafford five here's where i this is what i don't like I don't like Aaron Rodgers one. I don't not like Aaron Rodgers one. So went one Super Bowl to his name has choked in the playoffs numerous years. You know, numerous years in a row now. I'm gonna slide Patrick Mahomes one, Josh Allen two, Thomas Frederick Brady three. That's definitely not his middle name, but Tom Brady three, Aaron Rodgers four. Tom's just old. I mean, okay. look at yeah, he's 44 years old. But I'm gonna take Tom three, Aaron four. Patrick Mahomes has the prove-it case over Josh Allen. He's won a Super Bowl. You know, and Patrick Mahomes is, you know, until Josh Allen kind of, you know, does that, wins a Super Bowl, takes Mahomes off his throne, that I'll still put Mahomes slightly over my my darling beloved Josh Allen. But, yeah, I think I don't like Aaron Rodgers' one, Evan. I know that's going to be a hot take, and it is what it is. Because yeah, Aaron I mean, Rodgers, stat-wise, obviously is you know one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But it, it, it just for the guys I would want on my roster right now, it's Pat, Josh, and then Tom, because Tom just defies law. I, if, if, if you – took away every stat of credibility of Tom Brady and just show me Tom Brady with the age 44 next to him, he wouldn't even be on this list. But because we know what he does and what he brings, he's still a top five quarterback to me. Okay. Well, I will uh, I will take your hot take and, 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 and match it with another. Ooh, um, here we go. So my – okay, so here's my top ten. Dak at ten. Lamar at nine. Russell Wilson is fine at eight. At number seven, Matt Stafford. Okay, okay. At number six, Justin Herbert. At number five, Tom Brady. At number four, Joe Burrow. At number uh, three, Josh Allen. At number two, Aaron Rodgers. At number one, Patrick Mahomes. That's my, my top ten. So, Mahomes number one. Allen's still at three. Rodgers goes back a spot. Brady going back to five with Burrow at four is probably the one that some people probably don't agree with. Same thing with Herbert and Stafford being flipped. Yeah. But I just – I think if we're ranking based on just pure, like, who's the best at their position, I have to say that I think Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are better than Matt Stafford. And I think 
I like Joe Burrow more than I like Tom Brady. I think it, it takes a lot for me not to put Justin Herbert above Tom Brady. Wow. Um, okay. But I, I know that sounds like, you know, a lot. But, I mean, just based off the last season that we saw, based on what we've kind of seen with this Tampa Bay team, don't be wrong, Tom Brady is still a fantastic quarterback, still an elite, you know, still a high, high-level quarterback. Is he a top three or a top four? Not in my eyes. Not anymore. All right. Well, and uh, I, I can I, I can live with that. I mean, I love Joe Burrow. So I mean, do you want to slide Joe Burrow up higher than I had him? That's fine. What what a, so just when to gauge your thing here, Aaron swapped with Patrick. So Aaron two, Pat one. What is the reason why Aaron's not number one for you? Out of curiosity. Pretty much in the same boat. What's funny is that Aaron Rodgers really did have a better season than Patrick Mahomes did this past season. Because Mahomes really, you know, I mean, those interceptions and stuff in the first half of the season really inflated kind of his stat line. Um, you know, things got better as the season went on, but it wasn't his sharpest year. Um, I just, for me personally, I will always be in a scenario where if I have got... Okay, so if Aaron, if there's a minute left and I need one quarterback to drive down the field, Aaron Rodgers isn't even my pick. Tom Brady's still probably my pick for a one-minute drive, for a one-minute drive. Mm-hmm. But if, I, if, if I'm if i going into the fourth quarter and we're down two scores or we need to score, let's say we need to score twice in the fourth quarter to win the game, I'm always going to take Patrick Mahomes over anybody on this list. Absolutely, I okay. guess is what I'm saying, okay. and, and that's a weird argument. But but it's I guess my point being is that overall, I just still think he's the most explosive quarterback on this list, um, and the one I'd like to have the most of, of all of them. Um, and if you the, know, I mean again, you know, picking hairs at this point. But well, that's, you know. okay, and, and like obviously, so Lamar was the guy that we both pretty much agreed was snubbed off this list. Yeah, there's pretty uh, much no one else on this on. There's no one else omitted from the list that even really deserves to be considered other than Lamar. Yeah, no, I agree. Because I'm looking up and down this list here because obviously Russ being at Denver and Russ is on the list. Uh, going through the NFC East, the, oh, the only quarterback. It, uh, if we were to take a time machine and go maybe four or five years ago, I think Matt Ryan makes a case right. But that's that's just irrelevant now. Matt, Matt doesn't belong in this yeah. list either. Honestly, 8, 9, 10 for me are pretty much tied for eighth anyways. Yeah. Between Russell, Russell, Dak, and Lamar, all three of them are very different quarterbacks. But to me, all three of them are basically the same power level. So. And I saw in your article, Derek Carr, Yoke, for some people, makes the argument. I think he's not close to making he's that list He's 11 either. or 12, but yeah. he's not. Yeah, he's, he's not. He, he's solidified in his spot in that upper 15 epsilon, but he is absolutely not on that list Playoff either. quarterback, not elite quarterback. Bingo. Exactly. Uh, that takes us right about to the time where I think we need to go make a little bit of money. So uh, what do you say? We, we say we send the cash grab. We come back, folks. we got a little baseball recapping some major things. We're going to talk about the all-star rosters as well as a little golf. Tiger Woods speaking out about the LIV, previewing the British Open. That's all coming up when Down and Out returns right after this. Hey guys, Dom here. I want to tell y'all about Anchor.fm. Yes, Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free and there's tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Don't know how to get your final product on all the major streaming platforms? Have no fear. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. 
You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and tell them Down and Out sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Second half of Down and Out is underway. We begin with the MLB. Little baseball. All-star rosters are in. We're going to Los Angeles, Dodger Stadium. Uh, I'm biased because I'm an L.A. guy. I have the Angels there. Uh, But nonetheless, though, very excited to see the city of L.A. Dodger Stadium kind of transform into the all-star mecca for this upcoming week. I love love all-star weekend so much, and especially when I was uh, all-star week, I should say, not weekend. But my thing was growing up, and I don't know if you were the same way in this. I'm a big award show fan and definitely was a lot bigger of an award show fan. Uh, when I was younger growing up because Monday you'd have the home run derby. Monday night of All-Star Week was the celebrity softball game, which I used to love watching. Then you get the All-Star game. And then the on Tuesday, then that following Wednesday are the ESPY Awards. So it's like three days of like ideal sports watching coverage for me. Yeah. And, I, and I'm very, very obviously excited for this. The rosters that are uh, of you know kind of on here and are for the MLB All-Star Game. I I think it's pretty straightforward. I think there's a few snubs here and there that, you know, some people are looking at. But I will note one thing. The Angels suck, and I get that. But to have Shohei Otani start back-to-back All-Star Games for the AL does does rectify a little bit of the, the awful season we're having right now. So I'm super pumped to see Shohei start. Obviously, Mike Trout gets in there. Uh, the NL side, a few Braves in there, a couple Braves on the reserves ebb too. So all in all, I mean, um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I can live with this all-star roster, and I'm very excited for what Tuesday will bring. Yeah, I, uh, I am too. This is probably the most excited I've been for an all-star break ever, honestly. Um, last year was pretty enticing just because, you know, location, you know, Colorado and, and the home run derby and the kind of the, the first timiness of Shohei and all that stuff. But uh, this year it's, you know, one, there's five Braves going to the All-Star game, all about that. Uh, and, you know, just in general, just uh, seems like, you know, a fun lineup. You know, some some years it's, you know, there's, there's always clear cuts. There's always, you know, a ton of talent on display. There's always a ton of fun things going on. But I, I, I kind of love some of the names that are, you know, making the All-Star lineup this year, such as, you know, we've talked about them before, but Yankees pitcher Nestor Cortez, He's uh he's he's going to be going to be there and that's you know when you when you can kind of get the the different names you know you can kind of mix it up a little bit just makes it more fun yeah. um and uh you know I mean I will say this though it is kind of uh you know we are seeing some some carryover from previous years such as Pete Alonso announced yesterday that he is entering the home run derby again um, there's no one in the world that has tried harder at winning the home run derby than Pete Alonzo. <laughs> he really, really, really wants to win it. Like, he's the only one who takes it seriously, but that's fine. Uh, go ahead, Polar Bear, do your thing. Um, we don't know everyone else, everyone that's doing the home run derby uh, this this year, but we do know that, uh, we do know Ronald Acuna. That's going to be awesome. Man, also, the uh, one thing I will say is slight tangent. 
the uniforms this year, the all-star jerseys this year are so fresh. Yeah, really yeah, they did. They did a really, really good job of them because there's years past where I'm like, are we kidding? MLB are, are like, yeah, honestly, I, th- I, th- I think last, yeah, last I think, years were awful. Yes. Okay. Like, I was, you, I'm thinking the right year, right? Like last year's were gone. Last year was trash. And okay. then, but this year they are very, very sick. But yeah, Ronald Acuna. Uh, you also have, what a comeback story too for Acuna. I mean, that's just awesome, right? Like yeah, coming off the injury sick. makes the All Star roster. He was, well, he was the first person voted in on the NL side of the All Star game. Which, hey, that's great. I mean, he has not had an All Star season by any means. Like, not he hasn't played bad, but he just but, hasn't. But really the people want to see Ronald Acuna. You know, yeah, it's true. Um, so that's uh, it's exciting for him to uh, to be in it. Juan Soto also going to be in the home run derby. That's fantastic, but probably the most exciting name to be announced for the home run derby <laughs> at the time of recording is no question Albert Pujols. Yep, absolutely. Uh, that's going to be so cool. I'm uh, so happy for Albert that he's in the home run derby. He's also the the the, the commissioner selection for the All Star game as well. I th- this has to be Albert's last year. You know, yeah, if yeah, they're doing it's, this, it's the, I yeah, the, I'm very excited. One to see uh, Albert play or you know compete in the home run derby, but I would like to do one thing for the man. Let's treat Albert Pujols with some royalty. Let's put some respect on that name because I, I you know who doesn't love Albert Pujols. Uh, I would love to see in the All Star game for Albert Pujols to get an assigned runner, kind of like what Babe Ruth used to have in the later part of his career when he was fat and an alcoholic and his liver was failing. When he would hit, and then just some like bench boy would just run the bases for him. It is entertaining as hell to watch Albert Pujols take a, a routine double and stretch that into a barely double as he's sliding into second, barely getting there before the tag. But I, I also would love to see him get a designated runner. Let's let's get that started right now on the Tuesday. Put Albert Pujols up to the plate and, I don't know, send like – is Billy Hamilton still in the NL somewhere? Yeah, like, the fastest send, Yeah, send, send Billy Hamilton out there. Trey Turner will be there. So Trey <laughs> yeah, Turner, Trey, and Trey, Trey Trey's fast too, so there you go. Uh, but uh, actually, I think uh, – Dan, did Dansby make the roster too? Dansby, Dansby did make it. Nice. The biggest – the biggest like snub from a Braves perspective, without question, is Austin Riley. Um, Austin Riley not making it is really, really weird. Um, Twenty-four home runs and just been, you know, young, thick. He is, he is what he is. But um, I mean, you know, it's it, you know, overall, I mean, I, I'm never gonna complain about All Star stuff. Like, you know, it's just. It is what it is. It's uh, it's you know, the popularity contest. It's voting. It's whatever. Yep. So, um. But, uh, no, it looks like it's going to be a very uh, exciting year this year or exciting week this year. Uh, need the Braves to finish strong against the Mets uh, before we get there. But, you know, uh, it's kind of come up on us quick. You know, it, that's how baseball season seems to go where, you know, it seems like the first month or two takes a long time to get through. And then, you know, the end of May and then you go through June and July and it's just like a, a, a speed run. Um, so literally, um, well, and then just now kind of bouncing in as we, you know, we're, we're still, you know, uh, what, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we have like five, six games left for most teams until we get to the all-star break starting on Monday. But as we look up and down the state, I mean, the Yankees are still doing their thing. I mean, first to 60 wins in, in the league. Uh, they're 14 and a half above Boston, who has been on a little bit of a resurgence. Now seven games above 500. Tampa has slowly kind of cooled off. Toronto has just kind of been lingering above 500 in the East. Uh, meanwhile, in the Central, I mean, it's like 
basically first to finish 500. It feels like it's going to win that, but the Twins seem to be in pretty good control there. The West, like I said, it sucks. The Mariners have been, you know, on fire, you know, which is awesome. Good for Seattle. They've won eight in a row, nine and one in their last ten. But the Astros have 56 wins. They're still 12 games up in the division. Meanwhile, we'll go right to the NL East step because this has to be, you know, delightful for you and Braves fans, but also has to be pure misery for the New York Mets fans out there. The Mets are doing Mets things, and they're not even playing that bad, but they're just, you know, they're unfortunately getting caught in what is one of the hotter streaks in the MLB, which was the Braves ripping off what, like double-digit wins in a row, who are now two and a half back of New York in the NL East. I mean, right when you thought the Braves couldn't do it, we all start putting some doubt on that name, and they said, boy, put some respect on that. We're the defending World Series champions. At 52 and 36, second in the NL East, chasing down the very talented New York Mets. Who would have thought? Here we are, F. Yeah, I, you know, I was never too worried when the Braves were, you know, they basically just hung at 500 for what felt like two weeks, three weeks, even a month, really, um, at the beginning of the season. And, you know, I just thought, okay, well, they go, they'll go win their games. Let's just hope that the Mets don't, you know, do what really what the Yankees are doing right now, which saw a stat today that said that if the Yankees uh, go 500 the rest of the season, they'll still crack 100 wins. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, we just needed the Mets to not, you know, be just completely dominant. And they're, they're not. I mean, they uh, what's funny about the Mets is that they typically do very well against the NL East, but when they start to play other teams is when they struggle a little bit. Um, and that's kind of what's happened. And, you know, it's crazy because, you know, the uh, the Braves have this series with the Mets. They then play the Mets in four more series after this. They have the Mets four more times before the end of the year. Wow. So, I mean, it's going to be, you know, much must-watch baseball. I mean, it really is just a duel between those two teams. The, the Phillies are slowly fading away, um, you know, really – you know, whoever doesn't win the NL East is going to make the wild card spot. But I mean, there's a there's a world of difference between those two positions. So, um, yeah, it's exciting times to be a Braves fan. But it's uh, it's also one of those, it's it's definitely squeaky bum time, as our friends over in, you know in England describe it. It's uh, definitely <laughs> tense. It's definitely a tense time of year. Um, but yeah, can't really complain. Um, you know, you know, we've also gotten, you know, a fantastic race in the AL East. I kind of mentioned the Yankees, but, you know, we're starting to see, you know, they're running away with it, but we're starting to see an overall uh, really interesting division because the thing is, Dom, the Red Sox and the in the Rays are both over 500. Yep. As as is the uh, as is the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are pretty much going to get the wild card spot. The Red Sox and the Rays are going to be fighting for the second wild card spot. But the the Orioles, eight wins in a row, 43 and 44. Yeah. Oh my the, God. Wait. Wait. Did the ghost of Chris Davis in his prime come back and start playing for the of Orioles? Cal Ripken and yeah. Chris Davis. And Manny Machado, even though he's not a ghost, um, all have come back. And, and yet, yeah, the Orioles uh, sweep the Angels. Sorry about it. Uh, but but they are 43 and 44. The, the AL East is insane. I mean, literally every team is pretty much at 500 or better. Yeah. Uh, I mean, which is, you know, you know I, I'm happy. I'm happy for um, the, the Orioles. I love the story of, uh, who was it? Is it Atlee Rutchinson? Am I saying, saying Atlee that? Atlee Rutchman, the, the Richmond. catcher. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He, uh, great, great story there. Uh, you know, it's funny too, is the Angels are obviously just an absolute dumpster fire, and I say it every year. It's like, oh, just wait till the All Star break. Fuck this team. Fuck this organization. Anyway, so we still are seven games back of the wild card. So it's not like it's detrimental, but it's also like, hey guys, we gotta, you know. If you want to have any shot, definitely definitely try to put, you know, some sort of effort the in there. The good news is that there is a roster, I think, in Los Angeles that if, you know, a team, if, if they if they could pull off 10 wins in a row. I really oh, and, but that, that's just what I'm, like, waiting for. It's like, okay, when do we go win 12, 13 games ourselves in a row here, completely turn this around and get ready for that, that push? And I've been saying that, like, every year, which it just doesn't, I don't know, doesn't feel like it is there. But nonetheless, though, in terms of just having good quality baseball, like I, I, I can, I can find solace in a very nice AL East. I would honestly love to see the Orioles be this like Cinderella run team that sneaks their way back up there. Give me, give me Baltimore in October. I'm okay with that. Like that's Camden Yards is a great place to watch a game. Actually, and uh, we just recently had the anniversary of the Mike Trout catch in Baltimore. So I watched that video and found you and your family on the on the internet again, Ev. Dude, it's always so much fun to see that clip just go, you know, wild every every early July or so. Because it really was the, I think Mike Trout, they say it's the debut of Mike Trout, and don't get me wrong, it's easily his, like, first big highlight. But if you go look at, like, I was thinking about it, I was like, was Mike Trout really, like, a, like, a, like unknown before that happened? And the answer was no. I mean, he was already, the beginning of that season, he had started to really make a name for himself, you know, just with his bat. But, but yeah, no, still very, very cool. Uh, and, and I have a huge soft spot for the Orioles. So I would absolutely adore uh, them uh, getting in. Um, you know, there's a few other teams with, uh, with some interesting winning streaks worth noting. Uh, the Dodgers are just steamrolling right now. Um, they uh, they are continuing to do their thing. The Padres still without uh, uh, Tatis, but they're 50 and 38. They're they're very very you know much over 500, doing what's required. Uh, and then also, I know you hate them, Dom, but the Mariners have also won eight in a row. Uh, they uh, are, are are very very much uh, making. I can I, I, I can so. I, I can find a, a a bright spot for the Mariners. You know, like they they've been through some shit. I yeah I don't like them, but man, if there's anybody that's not the Astros, I would even say okay to the Rangers or the A's. If if I had to pick one team, the AL West, I actually hate the least. It probably is the Mariners. If we're being right. honest, but yeah, I mean they're still 12 games back, but fighting a hot streak at just the right time. So good for them, and then uh, you know, good for good for the Astros just cheating their way again. I'm sure they're doing something else that we're going to find an investigation for in two years. So last thing, just because I brought up the Mariners before we move on to golf, if you have not watched Julio Rodriguez play baseball, go do that at some point. Actually, at, at at this point, have you been living under a rock? Yeah, I mean he is he is a very 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 special talent and very very fun to watch. Him and O'Neill Cruz uh, with the Pirates, those are really kind of the the breakout dudes right now. And both of them are they're like Tatis. Both of them kind of remind me of Tatis in terms of just insane athleticism with that extra bit of power you need to hit dingers. Um, and just yeah, just fun dudes. So yeah, um, Dom. Speaking of swinging things. Um, you swing a baseball bat, you swing a golf club. That was the transition there. Um, sorry, y'all. It wasn't my best work. Um, but uh, speaking of those things, we've got the British Open this week. It's the final major of the year. Uh, maybe the final major in the history of golf because everything's going to shit. No, um, that's, that's a joke. But 
But it's, uh, it is, is it? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. It is the final major of the year. And that is exciting. I mean, and they're playing it at really Dom, the premier British course. I mean, the British Open course. Like, they mm-hmm. can play it at, they're playing it at St. Andrews. Uh, they they honestly could just play it there every year. Well, yeah. so just riddle riddle me this real quick, Ev. So, why is it not always played at St. Andrews? Because that's I always thought it was always played there for the most part. Have they been having to go to different courses for different reasons, or is it just because so, it's a cycle of courses in Britain? So for as long as I can remember, it's it's been this uh, it's been this cycle. They've got basically I think there's been courses that have been not necessarily kicked out, but you know kind of uh you know kicked out or they get into the rotation or not there's some courses that you know you can pretty much always guarantee you're going to be every four or five years such as st andrews that's always a pretty much a lock yeah carnoustie is up there um and uh so is like uh murfield but these days they basically have like you know basically like seven or eight golf courses that they can play at um in scotland and in uh in england um but St. Andrews is just, it seems like every single year that they've had a an important, you know, open, it's been at St. Andrews. You know what I mean? It just always seems like it has that uh, that connection. And, and this year for the 150th, uh, you know, British Open, uh, you know, that's where they're going. And, I mean, that's the other reminder, too. This is the oldest golf tournament in the world. The longest running golf tournament mm-hmm. ever. Um, it's, uh, you know, it may not be the biggest tournament to us, but really for the majority of the world, winning the British Open is winning the biggest golf tournament in the world. Like, really. Um, and this year, you know, obviously with the LAV stuff, it's especially interesting because you've got a lot of guys who have joined the LAV that are, you know, going to play this weekend. Um, Which I think is really interesting. It's just like, okay, well, it kind of already quickly answers the question of like, are the LIV golfers going to be allowed to play in major tournaments in in, 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 in places like the Open, U.S. Open, et cetera, et cetera. So here, here's the answer to that question. Yeah, no, it, 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 it is the answer to that question because the thing is, Dom, is that you cannot claim to be the Masters or, you know, the, the you cannot bill yourself as a major tournament that features the absolute best golf in the world if you are not letting in certain golfers. You know what I mean? For better or for worse, that's kind of the situation here. and It's definitely for worse for the PGA Tour. They're kind of on the, the long end of the stick here. Oh, and God forbid, like, an LIV golfer wins, you know, like Brooks oh, or, yeah, or, or uh, Bryson. De- I don't even know if Brooks is playing because he might still be injured, but, like, Bryson DeChambeau, uh, Phil for some reason, right? Like, if the if an LIV golfer wins, tough, tough look. <laughs> tough yeah, look for the door. The thing is, is that it's inevitable. I mean, it, it really will happen. It, it's going to happen at some point, right? It's just a matter of when does it happen. Um, you know, I, uh, I personally think that there is an interesting theory, though. Something that I think is on the, worth, worth looking out for is that there's a lot of people that are kind of saying... Well, since on the LIV, you don't really have to push yourself to make money. You're making your paycheck. Yep. Aren't they going to be less competitively sharp for the majors compared to someone that has to go, you know, earn it each week? Um, and I think that's something to think about. But, yeah, man, I mean, there's eventually going to be an LIV golfer that wins a major. And it could be this year. I mean, it's a, as always, it's a very, very strong field. Uh, and it includes one Tiger Woods. Uh, Tiger is uh, is going to uh, to suit up. He could not make the PGA Championship, but he is 
you know, he's he's geared up. He's in he's in uh, England and uh, ready to make it happen. Um, there was a really great video of him messing with Rory McIlroy on the putting green yesterday. He was just putting balls in the Rory McIlroy while he was trying to practice. Just um, dudes being dudes. Dudes being dudes, and you know that's it's awesome when we get to see Tiger like this. You know what I mean? Like it's definitely a blessing uh, that we're getting to see him see him at all. Um, and uh, you know, in that you know he's in a good mood and stuff like that. That's all we we really want. Um, what do you think about uh, so uh, the only the cycling back to a little bit of the LIV talk too, just uh, with the 150th anniversary of, of the open, like there's obviously a lot of like, you know, things planned aside from like the dinner and stuff, but uh, you know, two time open winner, Greg Norman, not invited for, you know, you know, kind of before his work for the LIV. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of them, I think making a statement. I don't know if it means anything because again, yeah, it's, it's like it's like does Greg Norman, who has more money than God now, give a fuck? Yeah, he doesn't care. Uh, you know, and then two on top of that, it's like, okay, well, all the players that you know that are associated with uh, with with LIV, you know, that play for LIV, you know, they're still allowed. So what does it really matter, right? Um, uh, and you know, so you know. Dustin Johnson's going to be there. Phil Mickelson, and he's he's going to he's going to swing by, and same thing with Louis Oosthuizen. Um, uh, and you know, it's 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 a nice, I guess, gesture to just be like, hey, we don't support this or whatever. But I don't see it meaning anything. Um, it really is all just kind of uh, pomp and circumstance, I guess. Um, you know, I you know we we should mention that Tiger did call out Liv this week, um, kind of. You know, said that you know the phrasing he used was that LIV players kind of turn their back on you know the tour and on what the state of professional golf was. I I, I don't necessarily love that quote from him, just because I do think that the PGA Tour should be put under pressure and that professional golf should change in some ways. Um, but you know, I mean, he really didn't hold back what he thought. You know, he said, you know, too, he's like, who knows what's going to happen? You know, he said basically is like, I don't know what's going to happen next, but, you know, uh, you know, we, we have to figure that out. Um, and uh, he, he basically just was like, I just don't understand it was the mm -hmm. way he described it. So, yeah, kind of, uh, kind of, you know, an overt disapproval, probably the most overt disapproval we've seen from Tiger, even though he has already kind of said that he wasn't a fan. Um, but, you know, it's uh, – and, and and you have that you well you have that on the you know the couple days before the open tiger woods is still one of the most recognizable figures and faces in the sport of golf and really just you know if you wanted to talk about sports in general around the world. So, I mean, there uh, there are a lot of people. I mean, Rory's been extremely vocal about, you know, his his opposition to the to the to the live tour and stuff. But having tiger being able to come out and, you know, say that, I think on that that stage, that climate, with the situation and the status quo being the way it is, I think that is pretty profoundly impactful in a sense. And I do believe that the PGA Tour folk are definitely like salivating after hearing Tiger Woods say that. Like they, oh, no. their their PR folk are have got to be thrilled <laughs> to to yeah, hear no that question. come on on the open. No question, he's uh, he is probably of everything they have the biggest tool 
they 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 can utilize to you know maintain that as long as the Tiger <laughs> stays on the PGA Tour, and then, that's but, going uh, to be. Uh, no, then it just becomes all right. How much money does Tiger Woods need to go to the Live Tour? <laughs> I think I think that's the the thing is that Tiger is already so 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 rich. No, I know, ever. yeah. But well, it, it, it would be funny for him to like like how Brooks was like, yeah, I don't think I'm ever gonna like you know I don't you know I do well in the PGA Tour. And then you know they gave him his dollar figure and he was like, okay, yeah, I'm out. See ya. I don't think I yeah I would be more shocked. Yeah, than everyone's anything. got a price. Everyone's uh, yeah. got a price. Absolutely. But, but what I will say is uh is the the thing with Tiger him supporting the PGA Tour is great that's you know that's or that's a good you know uh, weapon in the arsenal for the PGA Tour but it is really it doesn't really do much now if Tiger decides that he's healthy again and he wants to play more if they can get Tiger to play 10 PGA Tour events a year outside of the majors that's a huge deal that's that's like truly what, uh, you know the 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 Jag or the uh, the 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 PGA Tour the Jags, uh, the PGA Tour need to to need to strive. Well, shit, Jacksonville might appreciate that too. You never know. I mean, yeah, you never know who benefits uh, from that. But, but yeah, no, a, you know, absolutely. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. Um, you know, I'm a uh, I'm. I'm, you know, going out to uh, play golf this afternoon, so I'll meet with uh, the LAV executives and the PJ Tour executives and see uh, which who's going to cut me a bigger paycheck, and you know, I'll also be making my decisions soon. So. Yeah, no, and please let us know what you do. Uh, I guess it, you know, early early prediction. Anybody that that's sticking out to you for the Open that uh, that you think you know comes, um, comes and wins this? Hmm, that's a good question, Dom. You know, I. Uh, is there, is there chatter in the golf world right now, or if people are the streets hot with a certain person? Well, okay, so we do this every every tournament, every major, but I really do like Rory. Uh, I do really like Rory out there. He has uh, shot one of the lowest rounds uh, uh, ever in the British Open, and he did that at St. Andrews in 2010, I remember. He actually blew it. Um, uh, he, he blew the. He so blew so the, I think when when he won in twenty fourteen, it was at Royal Liverpool or a different course. Oh, well, that, no, that was that was at the PGA Championship in twenty fourteen. Oh, um, oh, okay. But, okay. but in twenty ten, he had a major lead a, at the uh, at the British Open, and he was you know very very much in his young days. But uh, he he kind of blew it. Um, Scotty Scheffler has been doing pretty rough for the past like month or so. Um, he, uh, you know, won four times on, you know, in the spring, but, you know, basically uh, hasn't quite had the same same pop except for a second-place finish at the U.S. Open. Xander uh, Shoffley also won the Scottish Open this past weekend. Um, he has won twice this summer, and also when you go over to Europe to go play in a European event before you know, the British Open and you do well, that's a good sign. That's always a good sign. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. But uh, it's it's very clearly that he's uh, he's at least used to the Lynx-style golf course that he'll be playing on this weekend. Um, but, yeah, uh, just, yeah, set your fucking alarms um, because, you know, the— <laughs> I saw Open that. T- he's off at, like, 1.35 in the morning. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> um, but— that's uh that's the name of the game and it's always fun you know I mean there were a lot of years growing up that I was you know when I was fully fully locked in on golf as my number one sport that uh, I would wake up at 3 a.m. 
you know, to, to go to bed at 10 and wake up at 3 and, and watch the British Open until noon uh, and then go back to sleep. Yeah, but well, when a, you go and meet with your PGA Tour and Live Tour, uh, you know, uh, officials, yeah. officials, make sure that's your opening line, you know. Yep. Nope, that's uh, that's how that's 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 how that's what their response to that is. What will determine, you know, where I go, whether I take the hundred million dollars or ninety-five million dollars. Um, the decision you know, coming next week on Down and Out. Can't wait. Get ready. But uh, in the meantime, uh, we should say, you know, uh, where where they should where fans should go to uh, to to listen to the podcast. Which hey, you know, I mean, it's been a minute. You know, you might need a refresher. Yeah, you might need a little. Uh, little uh, uh, run through of the information, which is twitter.com. Everything lives on Twitter. We're on Twitter. That's where the world is. That's uh, the entirety of my reality is that damn bird app. And on that app, you can go to at down in out podcast, D O W N A N D or D O W N N O U T P O D C A S T. That's an in between down and out. Uh, and uh, go on there and follow us, and you can tweet at us. You can see, you know, new episodes when they go up. You can put on notifications, and especially see when they go up, like right when we post them. Um, and then, uh, you know, while you're doing that, you can also go give us a five star review on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever podcast streaming app you uh, you utilize uh, to listen to us. Those are things that we really, really appreciate. Good social media engagement and uh, you know positive ratings on uh, those apps are, are really, really helpful. Yeah, they absolutely are. And it, you know, when you're on social media, on Twitter, you know, drop a line to us, comment, talk about, you know, what would you guys want to hear from us? You know, talk about a hot take, the, the, the quarterback list, how stupid was our list? You know, come at us. Don't come at the professional athletes. Come at us. We can take it. All right. So talk with us, engage. And, you know, while you're over there too, and you're on Spotify, Google Stitcher, wherever it is, you're getting your podcast, be sure to go listen to JD Masters and Buddha. Man of the Mirrors, our intro, outro music. You're hearing it right now in the background, softly increasing in volume. Uh, they're over, again, every site there. You also get them on SoundCloud and YouTube. Uh, they're friends of the program, friends of ours. They're awesome at what they do, and we can't thank them for always being a part of our show. So go give our boys some love as well. Evan, that just about does it for me. Any final thoughts to give to the people? Uh, no, just thank you for bearing with us, and uh, we're happy to be back. And, uh, you know, just, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I hope everyone's having a good summer and, and uh, is enjoying kind of the sports off season as much as we have. Well, as poet, uh, poet and author laureate Rihanna once said, live your life. Hey, folks, it's been fun, it's been real, it's been down and out. And until next time, Arriva Darachi. Later. Like a sauna, cause act like I can't. Then I'ma spit like a llama. Take your girlfriend out and give a Balenciaga. So check me out, feel me up, and watch me bounce. Cause the new man in the mirror is looking like a mouse. Switch places, change faces. Now Buddha runs a house. Trust hip hop more than bitches. So I'ma take her as a spouse, or at least a concubine. If in front of my God feel divine, I'ma grab it like a shield and I'ma make it shine. Cause when I'm polished, I'll abolish if you cross the line. That's how. I am feeling Keep growing like a giant Go through the ceiling Man in the mirror Doubled up Now you all the fuck We go again But when we stop blazing Boom, boom, pow
pow pow what you gonna do now especially when i bring the energy like it's a pow wow besides find a man page your face cause you a damn clown look around only one that isn't on my wagon now the name is buddha bitch damn jay-z uh look around only one that isn't on my wagon now <laughs>